0: Are you taking a reactive or proactive approach to your taxes? Do you wait until the year is over and hope for the best when tax time comes around? Is your business taking accurate tax deductions and receiving all the tax credits you deserve? Welcome to the Tax Answers Advisor with Marcelino Dodge. Today, we will answer these questions and many more. So sharpen your pencil and take some notes. Now, here is your host, Marcelino Dodge.
1: We certainly extend a big welcome to all. This is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor. We're show number 30 and still growing. Thanks to all of you wonderful listeners around the world, uh, including the Philippines, the United States, Japan, and China. It's just quite a ride. Never imagined I'd have a worldwide audience. What a beautiful, beautiful tool this Internet is in these podcasts. Certainly... Have discussed many subjects on this program, have one on retirement coming up here in just a few moments. On If you have a question about anything that we have discussed or to schedule a free mutual exploration session with me, you're certainly encouraged to give me contact at success at cashtracksfinancial.com. You're also welcome to give me a call at 844-394-4287. And certainly we are looking forward to today's topic, which is how taxing will your retirement be? Can retirement be tax-free? Yes, uh, many people are saving up and doing various methods to save up for their retirement, but we're going to take a little bit of a different approach here because one of the areas, and this will come up a little bit more in our discussion today, is many people don't, don't realize or forget or overlook or their advisor doesn't mention to them that, oh, by the way, if you take certain amounts out your social security can become taxable as well and most people just don't realize that so and to discuss this topic today i have a rick bennight he's a 23 year veteran of insurance and financial services he's been in the trenches as an advisor a sales manager and a director and Currently, he's a regional vice president with Ohio National Financial Services, a great company. I've worked with them myself through the years. I think they're fabulous, been to their home office. Great, greatly organized company. And also, Rick has uh, helped a, a financial advisor serve clients with p- better products and strategies and certainly uh, is well-versed on this topic. And we really appreciate the opportunity to visit with you today, Rick. How is your day going? Uh, It's going
2: great, Marcel. and thank you for having me, and thanks for everybody that's tuning in. Um, I am excited to be a part of this podcast and share some tips and ideas that I think can can help people and put them on a better path towards retirement, so I appreciate the invite and looking forward to the conversation.
1: Yes, it's going to be real, real fun today because uh, when we look at uh, retirement, many people think of just what they can do at work or do on an individual basis like with an IRA, but there's some different things they can do, and I'm, I'm excited to discuss these uh, opportunities that ones can have that uh, actually you and I can work together with people on there, Rick. It's fabulous. Exactly, so. yeah.
2: We're looking forward about sharing some ideas and some strategies that I think anybody can put into place in their personal retirement plan and, and set themselves up for greater success.
1: Great, and that's what we're looking for. So just to kind of get us started here, what do, what do you see as the current, Tax status for a lot of different retirement plans from, from your viewpoint there, Rick?
2: Sure well, you know the, you know it's hard to we can only guess at what uh, the current administration may or may not do with taxes, and you know those are always changing, they change from you know every time a new administration comes in, they tweak and change them. so you know when they're planning, really what you can only do is deal with what the facts are today, and so we know what they are today, and that could be different, but knowing that, I think it's very important to uh, understand how that tax liability can impact your retirement. Uh, You mentioned it a little earlier, how it impacts your Social Security, your retirement savings, and your spendable income throughout the years that you're in retirement. You know, the two biggest risks to most people's retirement income is health concerns and taxes. And so, uh, there's a couple of different strategies where you can mitigate or manage those, uh, to ensure a, a lifelong, uh, retirement income, uh, that can support the lifestyle that, uh, people have come accustomed to. And so that's what we want to talk about today and explore some of those different options.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes, because too many people think, uh, social security is going to support them or that's all they're relying or going to rely upon with social security. And of course, if you're in the younger generation, Many of them think Social Security is not going to be there when they get there. So why bother? So, you
2: you know, uh, that's an interesting point. You know, when Social Security uh, first came into being uh, back in the 30s, I believe, there was about two workers for every one person that retired. And back in those days, the average lifespan of most Americans was about 73 plus or minus. Uh, But now. the the demographics have really shifted where there is less than one worker for each person in retirement and people are living longer, you know, 90 to a hundred is not that uncommon now. So not only are there fewer workers paying into the system, but the people that are already on the, uh, social security are living longer and drawing benefits over a greater amount of time, which we all know is putting stress and strain on the, uh, on the social security trust fund. Mm Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, and so, which is why it's important to talk about this multiple times anyway, especially for those, uh, especially for the millennials, those in their 20s and 30s who have a few years, I mean, this is something that they are often overlooking, at least, and I kind of think many of them are. I know I probably did when I was in that age group, so I'm not going to deny that, but, uh-huh. but yeah, it's something we want to try to encourage all to just just start looking at there and start thinking about these possibilities when it comes to retirement and, and the tax part as well, because yeah. you just don't want to rely on social security. So.
2: Exactly. And like you said, the, you know, obviously the earlier somebody starts planning, uh, the more resilient their plan is going to be, but even people later than life within about 10 years or, or five years of, of their retirement age can still make some changes today they can greatly increase the amount of retirement income they have throughout their uh, non-working years.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes. So, uh, are are we aware of any of any? Has there been any talk or rumors? I mean, there's different things. That you, as as you mentioned earlier, the administration, every administration mm-hmm. tweaks and does things a little differently. Um, has there been much discussion, or have you heard much through just your contacts about? When it comes to retirement and taxability, of, if, if they're looking at uh, any of the changes, I know they're, of course, talking about raising taxes on people in, in a certain income level, but uh, just when right. we look at retirement in general, anything, anything, any potentials coming? Well, talk well, about mainly, yeah. it may not get through, but just possibilities?
2: Well, the only thing that I've heard for certain, I mean, uh, that, they, that they are working on in the... Uh, legislature is increasing the capital gains taxes Mm
0: -hmm.
1: and that's the
2: tax that people pay on assets they might have outside of a qualified or retirement type account so think brokerage accounts mutual funds individual uh things like that that uh that that tax rate is going up i've heard as high as 36 Mm. um wow i've heard as low as 28 so um, we won't know until something finally gets passed, but those are the kind of the numbers are talking about. So, you know, that is a, a substantial increase on people's assets that might not be in a qualified retirement account. So, but other than that, there's really been not a lot of discussion out of the uh, uh, U.S. capital about what what changes may or not be made, other than the capital gains and, like you said, that that top income bracket. Uh, going, I think it was at 36, and they're taking taking it up to 38 or 40. Uh, but once again, right now it's just talk, and nothing has been finalized.
1: Yeah, they're still. Anyway, they're they're just working on it, and they're talking about right. it really. And that's uh, that's always scary when they're talking, though.
2: But <laughs> exactly, you never know where they're going to land.
1: <laughs> so we're not looking too much change-wise as far as retirement plans. Although one thing I don't know how much you've heard about this, and uh, but there's. I guess this is speculation at best with the, I'm not sure if it's millions or billions of dollars that are in Roth IRAs right now. That's considered Uh non-taxable under current law. And at least one possibility I've seen floated about is, is maybe making a change on that somewhere going forward. I haven't heard anything formal on it, but it's been kind of rumored around there. Have you heard anything about that?
2: Uh, I have at different points in time, you know, Roth Roth IRAs are great. They allow individuals to contribute um, after-tax dollars uh, towards their retirement account. Um, And then once they're in retirement, they can withdraw that money plus the earnings on a uh, tax-free basis. Um, what, What people may or may not understand is even though that money is not taxable, it does generate a 1099 that needs to be filed. It doesn't go against your adjusted gross income. Uh, but it does have to be filed so anytime the uh, irs wants to see the forms where the money is coming from that's always subject to change and like i said one administration to the next might uh, be more generous one might be more restrictive uh, but anytime you have to file you you can just understand that the government is keeping an eye on where that money is (laughs) and where it's coming from
1: yes no kidding and one thing i do know is that I have cases where people get a, get the 1099-R from their IRA or simple IRA, whatever it is, and then they come and um, give me the story about they didn't do this or they didn't they didn't do that, and I'm like, well, you know, as long as I have this form, I got to file this. Right. If you if you didn't do that, you got to have the custodian there give you a new 1099-R because if if we don't see that, you're going to get one of those. Uh, those, uh, they call it a CP two thousand letter in about six six to twelve months saying. By the way, you didn't report this income, right? <laughs> and um, cer- certainly, it's what we want them, what we want them to avoid. So, uh, exactly. getting off the tax part, looking off that tax part there. Then let's uh, uh-huh. think about some steps that the ones can take prepare. And you can take it like a based on age group, what kind of steps ones can kind of take start taking now to prepare, perhaps. Uh, starting if you're a little closer to like five to 10 years, then kind of work our way a little bit farther down the road there. What's what steps would you recommend that ones take when it comes to that?
2: Well, you know, obviously uh, you want to consult with a financial professional, um, Mm -hmm. you know, and make sure that the steps that you take are appropriate, but on a speaking in general terms, uh, there's a couple of really uh, important steps that most people that are in that five to 10 range can take. One is, um, To review your um, investment options, both inside your qualified plan, whether that's a 401k through your employer, or whether that might be an old 401k you had and has has since been rolled over to a brokerage brokerage dealer or or some other financial advisor, you want to make sure the first thing that whatever advisor you're working with has a complete picture, both of your qualified plans, your non-qualified plans, your employer-sponsored plans so that they are all in alignment uh, as best as can be uh, going towards your retirement. So that's probably the first thing is just to get a real good feel of where you're at and what you need to do. Then beyond that, uh, it's important to to sit down and visit with an advisor or even a tax professional to determine how those taxes on those qualified plans are going to impact your retirement. Uh, One of the things that uh, I hear a lot is when you talk with somebody that's, you know, five, 10 years out of retirement, um, you know, they're, they're depending on their qualified plans as well as their social Mm -hmm. security to be the, the majority of their retirement income. And what a lot of people tend to forget is those qualified plans, whether it's a 401k or an IRA, um, those are going to be taxable at whatever rate, uh, the current tax rate is at the time of withdrawal. So Mm -hmm. um, you might have money in there. And if the tax rate today at the, you know, anything less than 160,000 might be, I think it's 28 or 32%. uh, Those could change. So what happens if you're planning on withdrawing $160,000 and you plan for a 28% tax bracket, uh, Mm -hmm. the brackets change. And now you're in a 32% tax bracket. So having a flexibility in your plan to adjust that income to, mm-hmm. uh, to work with new taxes and changes in tax laws, that's very important. So you want to have flexibility in your plan. You don't want to be such mm-hmm. that everything just has to happen perfectly uh, for your retirement income to last a lifetime. So mm-hmm. first and foremost is, is understand it, visit with a professional, both an investment professional and a tax professional. Mm-hmm. Then beyond that. Uh, the the number one most important thing people can do, I think, is to set up some sort of non correlated asset, something that's not necessarily tied to the market, uh, mm-hmm. something that's not necessarily taxable. Uh, and the you know the Roth IRA that we just mentioned earlier is a good first step. The challenge with those is you're limited in the contributions you can make into
1: mm-hmm. them. Yes.
2: Uh, the next step, and what I most of the uh, advisors that I work with and the clients that I've helped in the past, is to set up some sort of uh, cash value uh, permanent life insurance policy. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's a couple of reasons for that. One, uh, a cash value permanent life insurance policy, sometimes referred to as a Roth for the rich, is a way to accumulate money on a tax-free basis. It's not necessarily tied to the market. Mm -hmm. So uh, that somebody can withdraw on without having to, A, uh, report that as reportable income, and without, B, being required to take required minimum distributions at certain ages. So they have a lot more control over that retirement income or that bucket of cash than they do, uh, say, a 401K or a Roth or something Mm -hmm. else. So uh, there's really three buckets, and everybody... I think this is an easy concept for people to understand. You have your tax now bucket, and that's your regular mutual funds, your brokerage accounts, your savings, your CDs. Uh, those are things that are taxed now. They're going to generate a ten ninety nine every single year. Then you have your tax later bucket, and those mm-hmm. are things like your four hundred one k and your IRA, um, because those are not necessarily uh, taxed at the day you earn the, ta- the earn the money or to contribute to mm-hmm. them. But they're going to be taxed when you withdraw the money. So those, that's the mm-hmm. tax later bucket. Mm-hmm. And then the, the last one is the uh, tax never bucket. Mm-hmm. And those are, those are assets like we talked about, like the cash value, that that money is not taxed. Uh, if, if you follow the IRS guidelines and the rules, uh, that bucket of money is not taxed. So it's important that people understand that the, the three buckets, the tax now, tax later, tax never, and have their assets Spread across that, uh, those three different buckets uh, is a very, that's what gives you the flexibility uh, to adjust the changes uh, after you've retired and are no longer earning an income.
1: Mm, okay. Yeah. That's uh, vitally important. Unfortunately, I've seen some individuals take, and I've had this happen after the fact with me a lot, is that they take that, that tax later bucket as you're talking about. And instead of taking it out in payments, i for some reason, they take it all out at once, and yeah. end up in a very high tax bracket. And and I'm I'm always I'm, shy, I'm and I see this after the fact because they didn't come talk to me in the first place about it before doing it. And and I'm, and I'm having to explain to them why they're having to pay 22% tax or more because they not only did they take it out, but maybe they have sometimes they do this in the same year that they're leaving employment, so they have their W-2 income in addition to it. <laughs> Yeah, that's
2: and so, it, it, go ahead Marcel
1: and so that's why I sit here and I, I, I'm i doing this podcast is to get the word out to people you know you need to go talk to your tax person at least in my opinion more so than your financial advisor if you're going to an investment professional because they don't know taxes they can say oh yeah you can take it out but let's hold out 10% tax but it's like well, well wait a minute <laughs> that 10% yeah. tax which everybody's standard holds out is never going to be enough in most of these cases when you're dealing with some of these tax accounts so uh that 's where the good planning and coordinating with a tax advisor is, is is essential because as well as the fact not only that in these cases sometimes they not only get the w two or sometimes social security they used to go from having perhaps thirty percent of their social security taxable to eighty five percent of it taxable just because of taking such a large distribution out of their retirement instead of taking it over time so that 's where the planning is important, and that's where having some the other bucket that you mentioned is important as well. There,
2: All right? You know, one of the one of the like I said earlier, the greatest risk to people's retirement income is uh, decline in health and taxes. And so, mm-hmm. you're exactly right, Marcin. I think people sometimes uh, neglect to consult with a tax professional. Uh, before making substantial changes in their investments or in their income or in their retirement planning. And um, that is the greatest risk. I mean, the the easiest way to increase somebody's retirement income, somebody's spendable income, is reduce taxes. That's mm-hmm. the quickest way to grow income is if you can manage that tax liability uh, and keep that to a minimum. Uh, that you can certainly increase your spendable income over the lifetime of your retirement, and so sometimes people just want to work with their financial advisor uh, when they really should be spending more time with their tax advisor.
1: Mm-hmm. And that's the if I feel like if there's a flaw with some financial advisors, uh, only flaw I would say because I don't know about the other stuff. But the only flaw I see sometimes with financial advisors is that they don't recommend go talk to your tax person. Right. Exactly. I don't. So that's the, I mean, that's the only thing I would say because many of them do a great job in what they do. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's, that's the only thing I would say. Sometimes they need to say, you know, maybe you should go talk to your tax person before that. Or if you don't have one, go find one. Yeah, yeah.
2: And it's really <laughs> important to do that before you make those decisions. I mean, uh, you mm-hmm. want to know what the implications of if you pull the money out now, if you pull it out over several years, or if you pull, it, pull out the money from retirement accounts later. You just want to make sure that you understand how the taxes are going to impact that whichever decision you make, whichever is right for the particular individual. But I've seen a lot of times, too, people get shocked. They didn't understand the tax implications, and now it's too late. Uh, you've already made mm-hmm. the decision. You've pulled the money out or you've deferred the money, and now you can't make those changes. And so now you're stuck with a liability that with a little bit more education on the front end, uh, you maybe mm-hmm. could have avoided or at least mitigated uh, somewhat.
1: Mm-hmm. Yes. Yes. So, uh, how about for like our younger people who maybe have like maybe twenty years or so, twenty years or more before they're looking at retirement? What, uh, what 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 should they even look start doing now? What what's the changes do you see or adjustments that they could do, or what would you recommend?
2: So, that's and, and those are the really the people. I mean, the first thing, I mean, it's a it's a pretty simple process. Um, the first thing is uh, you need to be, you should always contribute at least up to the match. If your employer has a 401k with a match, if they will match your uh, deposits for 3%, 5 6%. i even seen some companies out there that will match the employee contributions up to as much as 8% of salary. And so Wow. The match is just 8%. free money. So that's the first thing uh, you need to do when talking about retirement is, You need to contribute at least up to the match, and maybe more if you're comfortable, maybe less, but that's a good rule of thumb, at least up to the match. Um, Above and beyond that, the next best tool is to max out your Roth. Okay? Mm -hmm. So depending on age of Roth, uh, I think the Roth is uh, between 5 and 6,500 is how much you can contribute a year. Uh, And so that would be the next step after the 401k at work. And even some employers now have – employer-sponsored Roth, so depending on your employer, you might be able to do the Roth through payroll deduction, uh, as well as the 401k, which kind of makes it a little bit simpler. So those are the first two big steps that you that they need to take. Then above and beyond that, um, you know, you really want to start looking at uh, some type of other tax-free asset that you can uh, invest in and contribute to. Once again, we can go back to the cash value life insurance is always a good option, Um, because that money that you put in there, it does a couple of things for people. One, it gives them coverage now. So if something were to happen to either one of the spouses, um, the death benefit can be used to make up for that lost income, to make sure the family can maintain their lifestyle and the children can continue their plans for college and higher education and so forth. Uh, It also helps them accumulate money that they can use down the road, whether that is for uh, a long-term care type uh, uh, situation, uh, whether that's for a business opportunity or whether that's just for supplemental income or a cash reserve fund. So, uh, contributing to that. And the earlier you start, the, the less, ex- the, the more money you can accumulate. Uh, so it's important for people to really start looking at that and working with a, a financial advisor sooner rather than later. Uh, so it's. The match on the 401k, maxing out the Roth, then some kind of personal owned cash value life insurance are the three big steps that those people that are, you know, 15 to 20 years out from retirement really need to review and consider and make sure they're doing the best that they possibly can at each one of those areas.
1: Okay. Yes, that's all of those steps are so important. But as we know, young people, it's a, it's a challenge. And of course, there's different circumstances that come up with everybody, but yet, Half the, half the challenge is convincing them, you know, this is a good place to start, especially if they're starting families. Oftentimes it's mm-hmm. a challenge for them because they wanna, they're thinking about the, their children's college education. They're thinking about doing what they need to do to raise the kids, which those who are parents, you know, it's great. It's a great blessing, but yet it's not the only thing you need to think about, but parents can certainly relate relate to all of that, but you got to make those careful choices, and sometimes saving for retirement can be a challenge, especially for those with families like that.
2: Yeah, you're exactly right. A lot of my advisors that I support and, and, and spend time with do some college planning as well, and uh, most people have heard of the 529, which is a college savings plan that you can contribute now. Uh, you invest in mutual funds or other type investment vehicles, and then when the kid starts college uh, they can withdraw that money tax free as long as it's spent on college which that is a great benefit but what most people don't understand is that money that's contributed to that 529 is also part of their FAFSA, which is a federal student uh, uh, federal student aid program mm-hmm. so when they have a, a 529 plan they have to report how much money is in that and that's going to impact the amount of uh, student aid they get, whether that be loans or grants or what have you, that FAFSA form takes that into account and then will adjust what uh, the student may be eligible for and might not. Whereas using another vehicle, uh, specifically a cash value life insurance policy, that money is not reportable on the FAFSA form and then mm. therefore has a greater of the student becoming eligible for different grants, scholarships, and other programs uh, that can help cover some of those uh, secondary education costs.
1: Aha! Uh-huh. That's a very fascinating thought. I didn't realize that about how mm-hmm. with the 529s and the fastbooks I get parents especially the first couple months of the year scrambling to get tax returns done and stuff because they need them for their, for their children's financial aid. They're going to college, so... But I didn't realize the 529s were calculated in that too. Of course, I hadn't filled out a FAFSA form. And was it was 20, 30 right. years now. So anyway,
2: <laughs> exactly. So <laughs> and not, it's not good or bad. It's just something that most people, if you if you understand it going forward, um, mm-hmm. you know maybe you can make decisions to help mitigate or help increase the likelihood of, of your son or daughter uh, being eligible for some type of grant. And so. Just knowing that going in um, can can really save parents and students uh, a lot of money down the road with through proper planning
1: on the front end. hmm mm-hmm. Yes. So uh, certainly appreciate the wonderful conversation here. Gonna gonna keep on going here as we really gonna look more in depth here in a little bit and how particularly we've talked about it has been brought out about using some type of cash value life insurance as a part of uh, building for retirement but want to work to dig into that just uh, perhaps a little bit more here in just a couple moments going to take up a couple minute break here just to kind of slow down catch our breath a little bit and then we'll be right back to uh, be able to discuss this a little bit more about retirement and how you can build it tax free and reduce perhaps some taxes through some uh, good planning. And so we'll be back in just a couple minutes here on the uh, Voice America Business Channel.
0: Become our friend on Facebook. Post your thoughts about our shows and network on our timeline. Visit Facebook.com forward slash Voice America. Each year, you file taxes, save money, spend money, and run your business. You try to educate yourself and manage as much as you can on your own. But no matter how hard you search, trying to find the solutions right for you can lead to frustration and burnout. The traditional tax filing and bookkeeping approach no longer works. In a perfect world, the tax professional would work with you throughout the year so you have more time and energy to do the things you love marcelino dodge at cash tracks financial believes you should focus on your job and have a partner to support you to take care of everything else that is why we developed our personal success and business success bundles our clients achieve better results because we focus on more than just tax and bookkeeping stuff we start with a no cost mutual exploration meeting to determine if our success bundles are right for you. To schedule your free mutual exploration session, call 844 394 4287. Email success at cashtracksfinancial.com or visit cashtracksfinancial.com.
1: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
0: This is the Tax Answers Advisor with host Marcelino Dodge to reach our program today, please call in. The number is one 472 5790 That's 1-866-472-5790. You may also send an email to success at Cashtracksfinancial.com. Now back to the Tax Answers Advisor.
1: Welcome back to the Tax Answers Advisor. This is Marcelino Dodge. Certainly appreciate you sticking around for today's program, talking about how taxing is your retirement and how can you have a tax-free or at least reduce your taxes in retirement. And of course, if you have any questions about today's program or something you'd like to discuss, uh, you can always call me. It's 844 394 Four two eight seven, And my email is success at com. We've certainly been having a wonderful conversation here today with uh, Rick Benite of Ohio National Financial Services. And just talking about retirement and taxes and how one of the biggest costs in retirement is taxes. And even before retirement, sometimes the taxes can get you, but especially in retirement without proper planning and properly working uh, the taxes can just really eat up your retirement and and certainly that's what we want to help you to avoid by discussing this topic today and before the break we discussed a little bit and kinda touched on a little bit of how uh, having a cash value life insurance policy can help with that uh... but we're gonna go into a little bit more detail now then and and rick up uh, mm-hmm we want to go ahead and discuss and work into how can we really use life insurance? Basically, and this is almost no matter what age we are, of course if we start the younger, the better, but how can life insurance be part of the, of the retirement plan? Well, that's a great question,
2: uh, Marcelino. And, um, you know, when, w- one of the things you said earlier is, um, when most people are planning, they think about social security and whether you think social security is going to be around forever or, or not. That's really not that what the point is. The point is that social security becomes taxable at a couple different thresholds uh, of income of your adjusted gross incomes on your uh, 1040 form. And depending on if you're married filing jointly or single, um, once you earn over a certain amount in retirement, you are taxable. And Marshall, and I, uh, I believe it said up to a maximum of 85% uh, mm-hmm. of your Social Security can be included in your adjusted gross income based on your total income level. And so, mm-hmm. uh, one of the, the best strategies is to uh, manage that retirement income and manage where that retirement income is coming out specifically manage that 1099 if you're if one asset is giving you a 1099 that's showing income obviously that needs to be reported to the government uh and that's going to be uh, put into your adjusted gross income which will then determine the taxability or the non-taxability of your social security so it's important to have that but it's also important to understand where can i pull income from that will not generate a 1099 will not impact my 1040 and will not impact how much social security I have to pay on my taxes. And like we mentioned before, the Roth is a good first step, but the Roth is very limited in the amount of contributions you can make to it. Whereas cash value life policy, uh, because the money is held by a insurance company. And when you access that money, you access it through loans that is not reportable as income. So uh, let's just say that if um Somebody is making, needs $100,000 of income to maintain their current lifestyle in retirement. um, Really, how much spendable income they have is going to be more so determined by where the money is versus what the money earned, right? Mm -hmm. If the money is coming out on a tax-free basis, uh, that's going to reduce their overall tax liability and hopefully, if managed properly, can mitigate any taxes on the Social Security. So, it's important to understand that, and, and like you said, Marcelino, the first step is to uh, set up, find a good quality insurance company, uh, and set up a cash value life policy. Uh, there's different kinds out there, uh, a whole life policy, uh, a universal life policy, maybe an index universal, universal life policy. They'll all work, each one has their benefits and their, and their downfalls, but they will all work in this strategy because the money that accumulates in those cash value is act is the client has access to that money to supplement their retirement income to help manage that tax liability. So, if somebody needs a hundred thousand dollars spend and they take it all out of a 401k or a simple IRA, they might have to withdraw a hundred and thirty thousand, a hundred and forty thousand. Mm-hmm pay the tax bill and then have the spendable income they need. But if they can pull half of it out of a cash value life policy, say $50,000, mm-hmm. now that 50,000 that they pull out of the 401k, that's the only taxable income they show, which therefore reduces their what tax bracket they're in and then hopefully can reduce the Sec- the Taxes that they have to report for Social Security on their Social Security benefits. So it's a matter—it's manage- a matter of setting it up now, funding the policy uh, until retirement, and then in retirement, managing which bucket you're pulling money from to help uh, mitigate the tax liability that is the biggest risk to most people's retirement income. Mm-hmm.
1: Now certainly you mentioned about the whole life the universal life or even the indexed universal life uh, mm-hmm. at least in according to my understanding of those particular choices there probably for the most conservative person out there the, probably the whole life is the is the most com- is the choice that they would probably make but yet others may choose to go with one of the other types if they're I don't know just a little bit more aggressive or we need to take a little bit more risk. Is that a correct assessment on that?
2: That's, you're, you're exactly right, Marcelino, that uh, the more conservative is the whole life. Uh, you know, the currently whole life dividend rates are in the neighborhood of four to five and a half percent, uh, which is nothing too extreme. But there's high guarantees and uh, you're on a guaranteed compound income curve, meaning you're going to earn that every year. Uh, There is no down years on a whole life policy. Um, Whereas if somebody were were more aggressive and wanted to have a a chance at a little bit higher rate of return, uh, Mm -hmm. they might choose an index universal life, which is uh, the return on those are pegged to an index where it's the S and P 500, the Dow Jones, there's a a lot of Russell 2000, several of them out there. Uh, But we all know that uh, the Dow Jones and S and P and the other ones, they don't, return positive returns every single year they might have you know four or five years of good returns and they might be flat or negative for a year Mm -hmm. and so uh you might get higher returns in some years but you also might get zero returns another year so that would be for somebody that is a little more aggressive uh maybe needs to chase a little bit higher returns um and is not as risk adverse as somebody who says i don't need higher returns i just want to make sure my money's growing every year and mm-hmm. that would be more in line with a whole life type policy.
1: Now, of course, uh, for, for those who been we talking about the cash value portion of these, but as we look at these various types of pol- policies, of course, you deposit whatever amount you deposit into them. Uh, mm-hmm. How does the cost of the insurance part calculate into this for, for uh, the good question. individual?
2: Good question. Well, uh, just like any life insurance, you have to qualify, and it's based on your current health status. Um, and most companies, you know, offer anywhere from a, a preferred to a, a select to a standard uh, rating. Those are kind of your top three, and then if, depending on the health status, it can go down uh, to what's called a table rating, uh, which is somebody that might have some more health challenges. Um, mm-hmm. Either way, the strategy can still work, even if somebody does have some of those health challenges. I mean, obviously, the better, the more healthier you are, the least the less you're going to pay for the cost of insurance inside the policy. Mm-hmm. So, uh, and that's why another reason why it's so important to start young. And when I say young, I mean 40, 35, you know, a lot of people may start when they have their first child and then they're um, yeah. But the younger you start, typically younger people are more healthy uh, than older people. As we age, we tend to get some health maladies and some health concerns, whether it's mm-hmm. blood pressure or, Uh, any of those other things that can impact the cost of it. So the younger you start, the better, the more healthy you are. Uh, But nonetheless, even if you're older and do have some health issues, uh, you can still set up a permanent cash value life policy that can have wonderful benefits and help you mitigate taxes in your retirement no matter what age you are. I've seen people as old as 65 uh, set them up, and it still works great and helps them. Uh, have more spendable income in retirement and have less tax liabilities.
1: Mm. Now, as well as the contributions now to these, you're putting money into the life insurance, but what are the Mm. limits that can be put into the policy? I mean, of course, you're going to pay so much for the insurance, of course, but yet cash value, but what limits as far as how much you can put into the policy? Because you just can't take take a big dump and put a bunch of money in there without certain... I don't know, tax consequences?
2: (laughs) Yeah. So back in the 1980s, uh, the federal government uh, started looking at the life insurance and the cash value inside the life insurance. And uh, they came up with a formula to determine if it was a a true life insurance policy, which gives you the tax-free growth and the cash value that you can use. So the government really determines what's the maximum you can put into a policy. So that's one. The second piece is the insurance company to determine what the maximum amount of insurance you can buy is. So if I am a 45 year old making a hundred thousand dollars a year, I can't go buy $50 million worth of insurance. It's not justifiable. There's no insurance company in the country that would sell me that much. just because that would be more insurance than I'm worth. So the insurance company tell me how much my lifetime value is and, a quick rule of thumb is somewhere between 10 and 20 times a person's income is about the maximum that an insurance or all insurance companies will sell you. Mm-hmm. Then once you determine that, then the government tells you, okay, here's the maximum amount of money that you can put in this life policy and still maintain that tax-deferred, tax-free access to that money. So those are the upper limits, right? Then the lower limits are, okay, how much do I need to contribute to accomplish the goal of having a um, a bucket of money that I can access in retirement to help manage my taxes, to help deal with the volatility of my investment accounts, and also to help manage or mitigate the risk of long-term care health type concerns in retirement. Mm-hmm. So it's really based on the individual's ability to contribute up to a certain level, and then based on the amount of insurance a company will sell you, and then how much the government will allow you to put into that policy. So, it sounds kind of complicated, but it's really mm-hmm. not. It's a pretty quick formula. Once you work with a uh, a professional advisor, they can sit down and, and run you through that pretty quickly and let you know. Okay, the maximum you can qualify for is X. The government says you know you get the maximum you can contribute is Y. Now, how much can how much do we need to pull out of other assets or other areas to to contribute to this uh, tax deferred uh, mm-hmm. cash value life insurance?
1: Yes. So, and a point we want to make sure and make here that is that if a person qualifies for a certain amount of life insurance, that doesn't mean that they can, that they necessarily need to buy all of that in a cash value policy at that time. That's correct. Right. They There's, they can uh, divide it up.
2: Right. Exactly. So like, uh, you know, for, um, for myself, I, I probably will qualify for, let's just say 10 million. Currently I only have about 7 million of, of cash value life insurance. Um, and so, just because that's the maximum, that doesn't mean most people don't contribute up to the maximum unless there's a big estate issue or mm-hmm. some other type of issues. Typically, it's probably closer to around 50 to 70% of the maximum amount of insurance that somebody should have in cash value life insurance.
1: Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, another thought I was just having here is that, uh, especially why, the, why it's such a challenge for young people, is because of finances and stuff. Now, due to health concerns, it's always good to get into a life insurance policy as early as possible anyway. That way you avoid the table ratings and some of those other areas that you mentioned that can raise the premium there. Now, how would it work? So say we have an individual here who doesn't quite have the funds yet or has the ability to buy, like, the cash value plan, but yet they can buy, like, a 20-year term policy at least to get them started into the system.
2: That's a great point. um, So... You know the first thing that um, uh, you that most that you should understand is there's a couple of different type um, insurance companies out there. Mm-hmm. Uh, there's stock companies, and then there's mm-hmm. mutual companies, uh, and then there's some that are kind of hybrids, kind of in between. But basically, um, most mutual companies and some stock companies will will sell term products that have the guaranteed right to mm-hmm. convert to a permanent policy sometime between uh, when the policy is purchased and when the policy expires, whether that's 10, 20, 30 years down the road. And so that can be a really great price point for a new family, uh, maybe who is just starting out. Um, Their income and their job and their responsibilities are going to grow as they progress through the uh, stages of life. Uh, But right now, uh, you know, they might be an entry level or just above an entry level and buying a, pol- a term policy with guaranteed conversion rights can be a good first step. That's one. The second one is um, there's a lot of policies out there that can be a blended-type policy, mm-hmm. meaning it's one policy, mm. but maybe let's just say it's a million-dollar policy. Maybe only 250000 of that is permanent insurance. The other 750000 is term insurance that can be converted during any time during the policy period. So you can do a standalone term or you can Mm -hmm. do a blended policy is what it's referred to where there's some amount of permanent cash value life insurance, but there's also a term rider on top of that to give them a higher death benefit and give them more room to convert that uh, at some point during their working life or before that term expires. So you can do either or, but both are good options, especially for newer families that are maybe just getting started out.
1: Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah, and one of the areas I like about that is that even if their health deteriorates, say 5, 10, 10 years down the road, uh, they can still convert, right?
2: That's exactly right. You, uh, you don't have to prove insurability when you convert. So even if you know somebody were to have something come up like some type of a cancer or some type of heart condition, during that course of the term, they can still convert it and maintain that preferred health status that they had seven years ago when they bought it. And so they can convert it to a new policy with those same health status, thereby reducing their cost and increasing their internal rate of return on the cash value because they purchased it earlier, rather than late, later in life when those health conditions start to pop up.
1: Mm. So basically the, by having that advanced purchase, they've basically, at least if I'm understanding what you're saying correctly, the, their cost of the insurance within the conversion then would actually be less than if they had had done it at, at the later age.
2: Exactly. That's exactly right. That's why it's so important to start as early as you can to work with a, a tax professional um, that can sort of guide you through that uh, in those early years. You know, all too often people wait till they're 10, 20 years out of retirement before they really start thinking about it. And just a little mm. bit of preparation in those younger years could save thousands of dollars down the road.
1: Mm. Yes, and then put more into their pocket. Now, one, one point here that I really appreciate here and I've always appreciated about life insurance is that you can take, as we've gone through, you can have the permanent policy, you can have the cash, take the cash value out as a loan. But one uh, point we haven't quite covered yet, though, <coughs> is that in, the, in retirement... And the the insured passes away during retirement, uh, how much? What happens with that? With the benefit that's like essentially left over, there what's left if they haven't drawn out everything that uh, takes down the ben- takes down what the death benefit of the policy was?
2: Yeah, and so that is another. I mean, um, that is another great benefit of the life insurance. It really, if it's set up properly, uh, it really gives the client or the individual the opportunity to spend more of their retirement savings, knowing that at the death of one spouse or the other, that money is going to be replaced through the remaining death benefit. So um, a lot of people, you know, typically uh, when you're doing planning, typically the male may be older or, you know, uh, males typically die a little bit younger than females on average, not all the time, but on average, that's uh, how it works. Mm And so that, that remaining death benefit then is used to make sure the surviving spouse have the assets they need to maintain their lifestyle should one of the spouses uh, pass away earlier. Uh, and so the, death, the remaining death benefit is what we call a ticket to spend. It's a ticket to spend <laughs> on retirement savings in your life mm-hmm. and then know that that bucket of money is going to be replenished uh, down the road at the death of one of the spouses.
1: Mm-hmm. And what I've always appreciated about that fact about life insurance is that it also passes that on to the surviving spouse or other beneficiaries, tax-free. <laughs> exactly, outside of the taxes. Well, that's
2: a, a lot of times I'm, I, when I'm working with the individuals, they might have some money set aside um, that they intend to leave as a legacy, whether that's to leave to their children or maybe a lot of grandparents want to leave money to their grandchildren to help them – you know, pay for college or buy their first home or, or support a, a wedding or all those other expenses that come along. And um, if somebody just has it like in a CD, which is what I mm-hmm. typically see a lot, uh, oh, yeah. when that money transfers, it is a taxable event to the person that inherits that. They have to mm-hmm. claim that on their current income tax. So that can, you leave $100,000 to somebody that's you know, maybe a son or daughter that's uh, 45, 45, 40, 45 years old, now they have to claim an additional $100,000 on their income, which can move them, like you say, from a 26% bracket, maybe up to a 36% tax bracket. And that's on all their money. So that can really sort of degrade the amount of money that's left to spend that the grandparents intended to be a legacy, whereby if you move that money over into a cash value life insurance policy, that money then passes outside of the tax bracket and so mm-hmm. that whole hundred thousand, and typically it's more. Maybe it's one hundred and fifty thousand that they get because of the death benefit of life insurance. Now that's a mm-hmm. non-taxable event, and they can use that money for whatever the uh, the grandparent or the parent intended it to be used for, without having to pay a big tax bill on it.
1: That's one of the things I, I do love about about the life insurance is that you can go in, uh, even an older person like you, in about sixty five or whatever they could they got. I don't know fifty thousand they want to would want to pass on to their grandkids uh, mm-hmm. if they can medically qualify for a life insurance policy they can take that fifty thousand just and make a single premium life can't they?
2: Yes, they can. Yeah, you can. You can take that fifty thousand dollars and depending on the policy of the carrier, um, you might be able to take fifty thousand dollars and purchase a hundred thousand dollars of death benefit. Mm-hmm. And so if that money was intended to to go to the children, now we've increased the amount that's going to them. But the really nice part is a lot of times I hear people say, well, I want to leave it to the kids, but it's also my emergency bucket. If something were to happen, mm-hmm. if uh, uh, there's a medical emergency or a financial crisis or something, mm-hmm. I, they want to have access to that money. Well, in a cash value life insurance policy, you get the best of both worlds. You mm-hmm. have access to the money in, uh, while they're still in retirement, but upon their death, it passes outside of the tax bracket. So you really yeah. you're not giving up <laughs> much except you're having a having you're mitigating the tax liability mm-hmm. that that money causes when it transfers to the
1: heirs yes, and we always like to transfer anything we can tax free, which is what I love about right. life insurance myself, even better than annuities have their place of course, but I, I like the life insurance as a transfer method better because it because of the tax free status e- exactly and,
2: and you still have access to the money during your retirement mm-hmm. year, so you're really yeah it's just moving po- what we say is we're not we're not changing anything we're just moving it from one pocket to the next you're moving money from you know from the bank account to the insurance account but you still have access to it but you get those additional benefits of the tax defer tax free transfer at death for sure
1: yes definitely there hey rick you know i just really want to thank you for the beautiful conversation today it's been fabulous it's been very informative for the listeners of how we need to watch very carefully, our retirement and plan for it accordingly and look for the tools and use not only the financial advisor, but use the tax person. Get that tax person. If you don't have one, get one. I mean, I'm always available to, uh, which is nice part about being an enrolled agent. I can help you no matter where you live in the United States. I'm licensed by the IRS, so we can have uh, exploration sessions. see if what we're doing works for you to help you to uh, make those proper uh, adjustments to make sure your taxes are not overdone. But again, Rick, we want to thank you so much for the wonderful uh, discussion today. And if you have questions about anything that come up in today's program, uh, you can give me a call, which is 844-394-4287 or email me at success at We will look forward to talking to you all again next week as we'll have another wonderful tax topic to talk about and how it can benefit either you or your business in a very effective way to reduce and pay as little tax as possible. Again, thank you so much and I'll look forward to talking to you all again next week at 9 a.m. Pacific. This is Marcelino Dodge on the Tax Answers Advisor on the Voice America Business Channel.
0: you for listening to the tax answers advisor with host marcelino dodge we'll be back again next thursday at 12 noon eastern time and 9 a.m pacific time on the voice america business channel we'll have more to share next week